<sighs> Time to shoot an intro, I guess. This that needs to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> what is up, everybody? And today we're back with a with a spring episode of Sports and Spaghetti. The, the morning could, doves. If you could if you could hear the ambience, uh, we're sitting. We're not in the playroom. We're sitting on my porch. I might get pooped on by a dove. Yeah, you're under the tree. You're in the squirting zone. Um, <laughs> this is Sports and Spaghetti. How you doing? Yeah. Um, I'm Ant, as always, alongside Mr. Christopher Walker. Today we're going to keep it uh, keep it festive, springtime, so we're going to do a little bit of an Easter episode. Yeah, it's my favorite holiday. Is it your favorite yes, holiday? Yes, it's my favorite why holiday. Is it your everybody favorite says, holiday? Easter, Easter, why do you like Easter so much? Listen, nobody does Easter better than the Easter bunny that goes to my house, okay? Um, the uh, A.K.A., uh, well... The Easter Bunny. But my parents also do a really good job there, too. Do you have a good Easter mouse as well? Uh, Is that who we were referring? No, 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 my parents. I'm talking about my parents. Uh, Listen... From the time, from ever since I can remember, it's been my favorite because Christmas is like a holiday where you expect it to be like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, I don't really care. No offense to my mouse, I don't really care about Thanksgiving. Uh, it's just a hassle, if you ask me. Well, our Friendsgiving was wonderful. Friendsgiving was fun. That's cool. Anyway, Easter is really cool to me because my parents always went all out with the egg hunt, with the baskets, with the hunt to find the baskets. They put money in the eggs. They put candy in the eggs. Uh, uh, you know, the breakfast, the, 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 the weather's getting nicer. Um, just the heart that my, my parents, especially my mom, put into it. That's why it's my favorite. And every year it doesn't disappoint. And now it gets even better because Sabrina yeah. got to experience it re- for the first time last year. But, like, she really got to immerse she herself is, yeah, in it. She has cognitive function. Right. She ran around. She knows what she's going. She's yeah. going for the eggs. She's yeah. excited. She had the little space buns. I saw things. Yeah. She so, it, you know, just just seeing Sabrina live live it all, like how I did when I was little, is just so fun. And my parents have so much fun with it. And uh, that's why I love Easter. And it was another great holiday. It's one that I'm never worried about there being issues during. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas for me are always like oh, stress. I'm like, oh my god, Easter's never like that. It's always chill. Yeah, so it's uh, my favorite. We have a we have a barbarian family tradition of of ruining some holidays. So I do it too. Yeah, it's not have, just it's nah. not my family. It's me. <laughs> no, we have we have some issue. We the last few years holidays haven't gone smoothly, but Easter was good. Good. Um, I actually this is my Catholic Easter. So shout out to my dad's side. Right, it's Easter Monday. Uh, as yeah. we film this, yes. Right? Yeah. So this is my my Catholic Easter was yesterday, which is um, obviously Catholic, and then next Sunday uh, is my Orthodox Easter. So next Sunday, uh, our episode spoiler alert: I'm making lamb. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's lamb killed by fire. <laughs> <laughs> The sheep kicker, the underfed, <laughs> underfed sheep, sheep kickers, kickers are not on the menu. <laughs> with, with red cabbage smash. No, it's with a red cheese fiasco. No, no, no. The 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 uh, the Spanish daughter is the, the cheese Spanish. fiasco. <laughs> the other one is the smash. Oh um, no! So you're doing lamb next yeah, week? Yeah, I do lamb every every year for oh, our Greek Easter. We will tell the mice, the mouse. 
that it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be fresh. I'm going to be at my great-grandmother's house, and I'll bring some leftovers if if need be. But I'll try it. I'll I go do on a, record as saying I'll I try do, it. I've I do never a good had job. lamb. I do a good job. Mine's not so gamey, but that'll be for next I've week. I've never even tried it. That's yeah, good. Um, today, um, I know I'm going to get absolutely destroyed with the pronunciation, but today on the food aspect of sports and spaghetti, uh, we always call it pizza game, which is, uh, that's what we called it. So for all you, uh, Gentiles, we'll say the non-Italians, uh, pizza game is, uh, it's an Easter pie, um, in, uh, Italian Easter pie. And, uh, it's pretty much made with like. You know, has a regular crust, almost like a savory pie crust, kind of like a, uh, not like a pot pie, it's a little thicker than a pot pie crust, but um, mortadelle, salami, prosciutto, mozzarella, pecorino romano. What'd you say, egg, mozzarella? Mozzarella. Yeah, somebody said mozzarella yesterday at one of my family functions, <laughs> oh, and it boy. wasn't at my family's. <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeehaw. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Mozzarella. <laughs> the. the 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 pizza gains we're uh, we're going over is I'm gonna review review a few of them. Um, we had uh, my dad's yesterday. Wait, so there's more than one kind. Uh, no no no, just different ver like just different, different people ver- make them. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, my dad's was my dad's was yesterday. I had that at his house, um, and I was so gracious enough that my in laws sent my wife home with a massive. Uh, a few containers of leftovers, and one of them being like almost a full quarter of a pizza game made by her uncle Paul. Um, and uh, I gotta, you listen. This is gonna be tough. I know, I know it's gonna be hard to hear because he listens every week faithfully. But I gotta give this week, I gotta, this year, I gotta give my my edge to to Jules's uncle Paul's. Dad, yours was a little wet. I didn't want to say it to your face, but I'll say it behind the screen. Was that the one I had? No, that was from Uncle Paul's. That was fabulous. I've never had anything like that. I'm Italian. I've never had I've never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, no, Dad, I I could say it now because I'm behind the screen. A little wet this year. A little wet this year. You're a keyboard warrior. Keyboard warrior. But no, shout out to Uncle Paul. Chris, explain to the people who, like you, may not have ever heard of it or had it, what kind of what you were expecting and then what it tasted like and what it was. So what it looked like... And this is interesting because usually when we have something that we try on the pod, it's something that we both know how to do really well. And having not ever tried it or seen it, I've heard it you mention it a few times. Uh, but anyway, when 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 I got it, I said to Ann, I was like, well, what is it? Because it looked like bread, right? It looked like bread, uh, like like regular like homemade baked bread almost. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it obviously was yellowish because it had, it's egg. Yeah. And but it but it, on the outside it looked like bread almost. And so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. There were there were like pieces of meat in there. And I was like, how on earth is this going to taste? I was really not sure. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it and then I bit it and I was like this is perfect. It ta- it really tasted like um if you had a slice of salami, or if you had uh, like a supersat, if you or pepperoni, something like that, mm. but just like more concentrated and more spread out, it was like all those flavors just in like a loaf. Yeah, so uh, it, it was it's, delicious. It's it is, but it's not. It's kind of like a quiche, right? Yeah, it did but it's give not off eggy. quiche, it's but not it's not, it was not eggy, and that's why I liked it. Because when you said egg, I was like, oh, this might taste like a quiche lorraine. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't like quiche. No. Uh, I don't like anything that goes in quiche. 
My mother-in-law makes a good quiche, but I don't like it uh, in general. Uh, but yeah, it didn't have that at all. You got all of the, the smoked meat uh, flavor. Yeah. You got it's, the meatiness. The thing, the thing is, it's it delicious. It's, good consistency. It's, it's dense because of the cheese that's used. Um, it's super, I don't know. I just love it. I've always liked it as a kid. Um, my aunt Sharon always made the best. Um, I don't know if she made any this year, kind of upset if she did and I didn't get any, but that's okay. Um, like I said, my dad made it. Um, I had, uh, my, uh, my wife's, uh, uncle made it this year. Um, and I think he's Sicilian, but, uh, I definitely tell you, I think he's Sicilian, but she made it, uh, he made it this year and, uh, his was, Again, his was the better one of the two. Sorry, Dad. Love you, love you. Step the game up next year. We'll work on it. We'll work on. It. We'll get you on the. We'll get you on to uh, to argue your cause. I guess. <laughs> I get, I think he may need to to be available to for comment here. Yeah. To defend himself. You gets. I mean, we have the power here to throw shade <laughs> and and have no defense of it. Nope. No. He'll be. Uh, he'll be on. He'll. He'll defend. Oh yeah. He'll, I'll get, listen, guys. If you're listening to me and for for some godforsaken reason you're like God, Ant's annoying. I need somebody to humble him. Wait till the episode with my dad. I'll be humble pretty quickly. Just letting you know. But <laughs> wait till the episode with anybody I know, and then I'll also be humbled. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty pretty simple this this um, this week again. It's a holiday weekend. Yeah, there was no way we were gonna do anything crazy. No, but no, something it, new for me. Yeah, no, it was super good. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing too too crazy. Speak of the devil, my dad just texted me. Oh um, boy. Nothing nothing important. He heard he heard through the microphone. Yeah, he heard through the microphone. Um, go back to work. he'll see why that's funny soon uh on tuesday tomorrow he'll see why that's funny that's right um but yeah man easter pie it was great um you know what else is great chris what else yankees keep winning yes the yankees keep winning um See, that was a good transition, but I know we like to cut it, so let's cut this one, and then we'll go back in. But if it. and if you like the Yankees, then you'll love what we talk about right after this. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast brought to you at a normal hour by Danbury Public School Spring Break. All right, we are back to back to back times seven, just like the Rays apparently. Um, now we're back with um, we're back with. Some baseball news. Yankees keep winning, and has Brian Cashman done it again? Has he found another value bat? Um, I was so excited to talk about this um, with you, Chris. Has he found another last-minute replacement value bat for uh, for for his lineup by the name of Franchi Cordero, Chris? Let's call him Franchi. <laughs> this dude is absolutely raking right now. It's so it's so refreshing to see some guys step up and and be big players for this team because so many times as Yankees fans and any other Yankees fans would agree if it's not the big guys then they're not hitting. Yeah. Yep. And and Franchi's hitting sixth in the lineup. He's the six hitter, <laughs> and he's he's just mashing right now. Yeah, and fr- fr- it's beautiful through, stuff. Through fourteen at bats, he's batting three fifty seven, two home runs, seven RBIs, an OPS of one two five, one two six. We'll say. And excuse me, let me correct myself. He hit eighth yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And again, with two hits uh, and two RBI yesterday. And you know what? I know there's a lot been a lot of talk about Volpe, who hitting wise, yeah, he has the triple. Yeah, he's got four hits this season. He's starting off a little bit slow by the I'm plate. Not, yeah, I'm not That's worried. a normal thing. Of we're, we're not worried about it. His defensive play has been excellent, and his uh, play on the base pass has been excellent. But I love Franchi Cordero coming in and and being effective. That's so huge for them. It's and it, and it's one game yeah. for them. And it's it's at the point now where Franchi, if, for, for those of you listening that don't realize who Franchi Cordero, or maybe you've heard the name, but you you know you don't know who he is. Um, he started with San Diego. He signed with uh, signed with them out of the Dominican Republic in 2011. Um, he was then traded to Kansas City. Yep. Um, they traded him and Roland Bolan- Bolaños. Mm-hmm. That's a nice um, for Tim Hill. So they're players we don't know about. Um, and then this is where you'd probably hear the name. He was the big piece in the Andrew Benintendi deal that sent him to Boston and yes. Benintendi to Kansas That's City. Right. Um, now. Obviously, if everything and he was wor- a Padre first, he was yes. If everything if everything worked out with with the Red Sox, right? This is this is a different this is a different you know opening to a pod, right? But he was horrendous with Boston um, on a team that needed hitting last year. The two nineteen, he was Anthony. yeah, he was terrible with Boston games, last year. 219, that is not I mean, good. He was up and down from, from there and uh who's their triple A? Triple A's I can't I can never remember if that's triple A or double A. Double A's Portland, that's right. Yep. Portland Sea Dogs. So he was up and down with Pawtucket, with Boston. And they're tr- I mean they were trying to find his niche. They were letting him play both corner outfield spots. They had him at first base. They were DHing him and he just never caught on. Um and then um he signed a minor league contract at the end of uh, last offseason with Baltimore and uh, tore it up in spring training with Baltimore. Um, he hit 413, two home runs, uh, and 46 at bats with Baltimore during spring training, but they cut him on March 27th. And then on my birthday, March 30th, um, he, this is wonderful. Franchi Cordero signed a split contract with the New York Yankees, kind of like a two-way contract in the NHL, right? Um, but they would pay him a million dollars if he made the major leagues, 180000 Um, and he's already making dividends. I mean, we're paying him not even $2 million, and he is already taking over for Aaron Hicks. He is. Well, that's where yeah. I was going to go next. Yeah. Uh, he, he might... He might be um, Hicks's ticket out of New York. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's might be. I think he is. You know, I mean, as we're recording this, the Yankees are uh, they're playing Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, the outfield right now is is Judge in center field. I didn't check that. Hold I didn't. On. I didn't see. So I'm assuming Judge is probably in center field. All I know is Franchi's in right and Willie Calhoun's in left, and there's no sign of Aaron Hicks. So it does not look good for Hicksy. Um, wish you the best. But sayonara, um, I'm riding the Franchi train. And at, at this point, I, I have to apologize to Franchi because I remember when they signed him, Hugh got on uh, Hugh got on our group chat and he texts, he's like, oh my God, Franchi, are you kidding me? And I was being clever and I said, sounds like Wee Wee plays like Poo Poo. Um, I thought that was pretty funny because it's like Frenchie. But uh, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a laugh out of Chris. Um, 
<laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> uh, in other in other baseball news, um, the Tampa Bay Rays are setting the world uh, on fire. Chris, it's a good song. Yeah, that's a good song by Chesney and Pink. That is one of my favorite <laughs> songs the, uh, in the country. It's not. It's very poppy. But I, uh, I could go on for an hour. That song makes me so happy. You anyway. know what? You know what doesn't make me happy? What? Tampa Bay being nine and zero on the season. Yeah. What is going on? They. I'm just happy we haven't played them yet. To be honest. <laughs> I hope we play them when they come. Then when they when they slow exactly. down. Exactly. But I mean, Tampa Bay. Their their players are playing, and unless it's one of those seasons, when did Boston win their last World Series? Was that 19? Unless it's a situation where they're firing on all cylinders from opening day throughout the entire season into the World Series like Boston did, you gotta you gotta hope these players calm down. But I mean, you look at some of these averages on the team. Randy Arozarena is hitting three seventy one. Um, I think it's Josh Lau, Lau or Low, whatever it is. He's batting three sixty four. Wando's Wander's batting three fifty one. Taylor Walls is batting 333. Jose Siri, 318. Brandon Lau, 286. Isak Paredes, 286. Like, these guys are raking. Raking. The lowest, I mean, regular player, we'll say, is um, it's either Yandy Diaz or Manny Margot. They yeah. both have played. Uh, Yandy Diaz has played seven. Manny Margot has played eight games. But they're lowest on the team with a 222 and a 227 batting average respectively. Now here's now here's this one coming at you French. I mean and, <laughs> okay. Okay, this is coming at you. Let's look at who the Rays have played. They opened the season at home against the Tigers and swept the Tigers. Then they went on the road and played the Nationals and swept the Nationals. Then they went back home and swept the the Athletics including two 11 nothing wins in a row. The Tigers, the Nationals, and the A's. Now, 9-0 is great, right? In 162 games, 9-0 doesn't amount to a hill of beans. No. But 9-0 is never a bad way to start, right? They could have played those uh, nine games and been 5-4, and four, and then they would have been where we kind of thought they were going to be. 9-0 is showing, all right, we're killing all the bad teams because let me be honest with you, those three teams aren't scaring anybody. No, I'm sorry. Absolutely not. And we talked about it in our preseason predictions. Those three teams are not going to be threats. No. Uh, and it's it's going to be interesting to see who the Rays or how the Rays do when they start playing big teams. They start with, yeah, they start with Boston tonight, which Boston is... I mean, we said it. I, I believe I said it on the on the preview. Boston's going to slug the game. They're going to. It's going to be a lot of ugly games that there, Boston wins. It's going to be a step up from what they've been oh, playing. Oh no, absolutely! It's a step up from the A's, from the Tigers, right? Yeah. So, will it be a good measuring stick for them? I don't know yet. Uh, if they continue to win and they sweep this series and go 12 and zero or yeah. whatever, thirteen and zero. I still wouldn't be like, oh my god, uh, they're gonna lose. Everybody's got to lose. Of course, of course. You know, you're not gonna win every game. Um, and I'm not discrediting the nine wins because, let's face it, they could have dropped four of those games, five yeah. of those games. Yeah. They could have dropped nine. You know, uh, it's certainly not a bad way to start a season. It is though. not. It is not. And it's Aaron. One thing Aaron Boone said, and we'll be. I mean, we'll be real hard on him throughout throughout the season mm-hmm. on this podcast, but. 
one thing Aaron Boone said last year is uh, think of base. I'm going to paraphrase here. Think of baseball like an ATM. Sometimes you make win, you make you know with you make deposits and you make withdrawals when it comes to wins. If the Rays deposit 15 straight wins, you know they're they're going to set up to where they can withdraw 15 straight wins. If that makes sense, right? So they can start 15 and 0. I'm just you know, God forbid they could start 15 and 0, right? And then go on an absolute you know, poo-poo run. It's a law of averages. And, of and like we said, they're, this team can put it together. They they have the ability to maybe make a push for the playoffs. But the law of averages is going to come into play. It does. I mean, as a big hockey fan and a baseball fan and a sports guy in general, and anybody listening to this podcast that, that follows sports as close or even half as close as we do, you know that teams in every league, they'll win 10 games in a row, 11 games, 12 games in a row, and then you could lose eight in a row, and yep. your net wins is four. four. And you've seen teams go on absolute heaters, especially in hockey lately. Um, there's been teams, uh, the Flyers, a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago, uh, but within the last 10 years, the Flyers, I remember, went on a streak where they won at least 10 in a row, and they were like 16-0-1 yeah. in their last 17, and then they missed the playoffs. Yeah. Because they, they got hot early, and then they dropped like 20 out of the next 25 games. So it doesn't matter, really. you know, And especially with baseball, you're going to have teams win 10, 11, 12, maybe 14, 15 games in a row, and it still doesn't matter, 15 games. Right? That's 15 out of 162. So it's important for the Rays to appreciate and celebrate what they've done. But I know nobody in that clubhouse, and I know you know this as well, nobody in that clubhouse is going to be complacent. No. Nobody in that no. clubhouse is going to say, oh, wow, we're the best in baseball right now because we're 9 0 against three bad teams. They know. They, the, those, you know, I think when I see so much on social media, this is a side rant. Um, you've got me going on a Monday. I see so many fans, and I've seen this since my days at WXCI with at WestCon since 2014. So many people on social media think that the players don't know what's going on. They think a lot of things on social media, but this is one. They think that when a team loses, that the players don't realize the implications of losing a game. <laughs> Like they they, th they swear to God, they don't they don't think the players on the team take the aisles. They lose a big game uh, when they like tonight, right? Or the Yankees, they have a big game opening day, whatever, and they lose. And fans are like, these guys don't have any heart. They played like they didn't want to win. What? What do you mean? <laughs> I get tanking. Tanking's different, yeah. and th it exists. But the players know what's going on. The players have a game plan every game. They have a game plan from the coach, the manager, whatever you call the Position boss of the coaches, team. Yeah. They have a game plan. Sometimes when you're tanking, the game plan is let's not try to do anything too crazy. <laughs> yep. Sometimes the game plan is we really need this game. But I guarantee you there's always a game plan. <laughs> and people are crazy. It drives me nuts when they're like, they, they, they didn't want to be there. They clearly don't have any interest in winning. 
They just want their paycheck and they want to go home. I don't think there's a sportsman alive professionally that would agree with that statement. Yeah, that's a little far-fetched to think that these professional athletes don't want to win. Like, man, I get it. It's your it's your career. But, it's a pride thing, but man. The, you don't want to be a loser. At the end of the day, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, you're gonna you, you play the game to win. You don't play to make money. You don't play to have fun. You you're playing a child's game for your career. You're playing to win. You think Roy McIlroy was happy he didn't make the cut? Probably not. At the Masters you know? this weekend. <laughs> Like, you think Tiger was happy he got hurt and couldn't finish? <laughs> like, not calling it in. No. You know, no. it's it, it, the media, social media lets it happen, yeah. and it, it's a rant. I'm sorry. It drives me nuts. <laughs> so, another baseball. Congrats to the Rays. Congrats to the Rays. Another, <laughs> another baseball team I want to talk about after their blistering start. Haha, ha, I told you so. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Um, they are six and three, I believe. That's yeah. great stuff. Six and six and three for Pittsburgh. Um, their offense has been putting it together. They've they've swept the Reds. Oh, I'm sorry, they didn't sweep the Reds. They uh, no, they did sweep the Reds. So they swept the Reds. Then they followed that up by. Oh no, they didn't sweep the Reds. Jesus, they they took uh, one out of three to the Reds. They followed that up with uh, sweeping Boston. They did sweep the Sox in Boston. And then they just took two out of three from the White Sox. I mean, we'll go back to the preseason predictions again. This is where you're starting to look like a genius here. Um, and, I, and I've and i said it on this pod before. <laughs> I've said it on this pod before. <laughs> uh, you were no slouch in school. You, you are very smart. <laughs> and you've looked really good about the Pirates. And where this differs slightly from how the Rays are 9-0 and maybe... I, I don't even want to say they've shocked the world. They haven't. They, mm-hmm. They've played bad teams. Listen, the Pirates, uh, Ant was not was not the, the, the crowd here. Ant was an individual in his prediction that the Pirates are going to overachieve. Okay? And they have. Yeah, they They've have. done it. They have. I don't think a lot of people expected them outside of this pod to be 6-3 and three right now. Yeah. Uh, and... That's what happens when you win series. Yeah. You have a good record. Yeah. And they're playing great baseball. Now, the only thing is, well, let's address the six foot seven elephant in the room, and that is O'Neill Cruz. He had surgery today. Uh, he broke his ankle sliding into the plate uh, last night. Um, Sebi Zavala, the catcher for the Chicago White Sox, um, kind of blocked the plate. It was an awkward slide. Feet got tangled up, ended up breaking his ankle. Um, but... Um, little trash talk got involved and something along the lines of like take that bitch or something like that from Sevi Zavala caused the benches yep. benches first benches clearing brawl of the year which we love to see what um, I what I hated about it though I'm sorry if you had did oh you no have go, something? Ahead. go ahead what I really hated about it and I don't like to say hate but I, I hated how the trainer had to stand over him while the bench the benches were clearing because there's an injured player down at the plate and like he had to literally stand over him yeah. as, uh, as the bench is cleared because they were kind of not regarding the fact that there was an injured uh, and person And it's not there. it's not a Pirates-Reds fight. It's not a Pirates-Cubs fight. It's the Pirates and the White Sox. There's no history. There's no rivalry there. But, I mean, that's that's something where it's like, hey, yeah, we understand this was really bad, but our play, our guys hurt. So maybe we, we cool it down, get him out of the way. But um, he will be back by the end of the season. But I think I think they're going to miss O'Neill Cruz. 
but you know the the armchair general manager in me you know pittsburgh we have a guy by the name of isaiah kiner falefa that could play shortstop you know just throw us another clay home situation yeah and we'll call it a deal you we'll know see i mean we'll see about the pirates <laughs> too because they've got the astros next they do but the astros have been middling they have been middling i like how you used my word I've, there i've used i use that a lot in my in my day i think it's now. a wonderful word it's a good it's a good word um i listen but so when we were talking about the Rays before, this is what I mean. Yeah, the Astros are middling right now, right? But they're still the Astros. Yeah. Okay. They're just like the Rays are nine and zero. The Astros being in the middle, not you know blowing anybody away right now. They're going to pick it up. We know they're going to pick it up. Of course. That and team so is, that team is too talented. To and not. so maybe the Pirates, you know, the the Pirates have been playing well. The Astros will probably bring it against the Pirates against a good team. And if the Pirates can take. Two out of three, I believe that's a three-game series. Yeah. You take two out of three from the Astros. In Houston. In Houston, right. At Minute I believe, Maid. I believe. Yep, it's at Minute Maid. Um, that's a big deal. You know, then you go four and five games over 500, and then you're kind of off and running, and you've played a, a team that's going to be contending to win the World Series. I said was, yeah, the, I said was the best team in the league. Right. And so, know? and they are one of the best teams in the league, even though they haven't shown it yet. Um, I mean... The same thing can be said for the Yankees. They've lost a few games they shouldn't have lost, you know? Yeah, the, the that first loss to the Giants, that was that was some dis- – yeah. the, the thing I have to say about the Yankees is their losses have all been some sort of managerial decision, yeah, I think. Yeah, they've been they've – been, they've been sh- weird. They had an odor to them. They've been weird. It's kind of like, hey, man, why do you have – I don't even remember his name. Why do you have this guy pitching in a tie game in the eighth inning? Like, Booney, what are you doing, buddy? Um and and so by the same token, right? The Pirates can go out and, sh- and shock the world by winning two, shock MLB by winning two out of three from the Astros. But like you said about the Yankees, I know we already talked about them a little bit. It's been a little bit worrisome some of the decisions that have been made, especially with the pitching. Yeah. To me, um, when guys are being taken out, specifically starters. Um, uh, Again, we, we were hard on Boone all the time, but I think it's with good reason. I think it's with good reason. You know, some of these games are a little bit closer than they need to be because of the, the decisions. So the reason the reason I'm hard on Boone, right, and I, this is my first time publicly saying this, is the year Boston, we're going to talk about the Red Sox again, the year Boston won that World Series, like I said, they were firing from opening day. I mean, they were just, everybody stayed healthy. It was everybody performed to their abilities. And I remember when Red Sox fans were shocked and they were kind of upset that uh, Alex Cora didn't win Manager of the Year. And I remember I came out and I was like, listen, the reason Alex Cora didn't win Manager of the Year is because if you're a 13-year-old that knows how to write a lineup card, you were going to win the World Series. There was no adversity. There was no, hey, this player got hurt or this player is underperforming or, you know, we need to do something about Benintendi because Benintendi is... No, it was the lineup was the same every single day. When you got your day, you know, when players had their days off, their backups came in, their their two squad came in, and they did just fine. Um, but that was the whole problem was, you know, Boone. Like, listen, Booney, you're driving you're driving a Lamborghini. We just handed you the keys to a Lamborghini. Stop, like, stop treating it like it's a Civic, dude. Like, yeah. stop, like, stop trying to win with IKF. Stop trying to win with Donalds. Like, listen, man, you see what's working. You see Glaber's lighting the world on fire. You keep Glaber, keep Glaber in the lineup. Donaldson's hurt. 
So you have, you know, like the stars are aligning for you to just roll out the same lineup right. every night and keep winning. And like, can we and can we maybe not start Clark Schmidt? Listen, if we keep starting him, we're going to be in deep Schmidt. But I, I think Clark, Clarky out of the bullpen and Clarky starting is a different. It's I mean, different. It's like Jabba Chamberlain. I was just going to say uh. it's like Jabba and Dellen. You know, yes. like some guys, listen, some guys, once they start being a bullpen guy, they're meant for it. Another, I mean, another person we can look at is Michael Kopech from the White Sox. Right. Kopech was, I mean, he was involved in that uh, Chris Sale deal to send him. He was in Boston's minor league system, sent him over to Chicago in the Chris Sale deal. He was, I mean, he's a good starter. He's a decent starter. But, I mean, he is so dominant out of the bullpen. I mean, the White Sox used him down the stretch last year out of the bullpen, and he was almost unhittable. I mean, Anthony, you can use Clark Schmidt for four innings if you need to. That's what he's going to give you (laughs) if it's from innings five through nine. I would be so comfortable, you know, if if somebody has, you know, a tough five-inning day. Yeah. You know, sometimes Garrett Cole is going to throw 90 pitches in five innings, 100 pitches in five innings. He's been amazing this season. To your credit, I was a little bit hard (laughs) on him, and I I am wrong uh, so far. But Schmidt is a guy that's going to be able to give you two and three and four innings. No problem. He's proven that. Yeah. But the starting gig, like you said, is not for everybody. It's a different Prep. It's a it's a whole it different it ball is. game, and that's the whole thing too. Is is you know never playing above the high school level. I never, you know, necessarily knew like oh st- like you just go out and you pitch. That's that's my that was my mindset, right. right? But I mean, you watched like this was back in when he was with Arizona. If you watch Trevor Bauer's warm up, that guy was never Trevor Bauer would never be a bullpen pitcher because he his it's a forty five minute hour right. hour and a half warm up, right? You have guys like. I mean, I'm going to use Araldis Chapman. Araldis Chapman, he gets in the he gets in the bullpen. He throws the heavy ball a couple times, works up a lather, takes off the long sleeve shirt. We're ready to go. Like some, I mean, it's some guys you just need to throw the ball four or five times, get loose, empty the tank. Um, I think Clark is. I think he's a good empty the tank guy. I think Domingo is a good empty the tank guy too. And I think those are two guys where, yes, they could spot start if you need, they can open if you need, but I wouldn't rely on them for more than three to four innings. I like what you said about being an opener, and that's what the Rays are so accustomed to doing, right? We talked about them being 9-0. They love uh, using that opener uh, system where they'll pitch a guy two and three innings, yeah. and then they'll go bullpen, and they've got a strong bullpen. I think the Yankees have enough where, like you said, if Schmidt was slated to open – not slated to start pitch three and two thirds and give up five runs to the Orioles. Yeah. You know, that was a demoralizing loss uh, to open a series against Baltimore. Yes, they won the last two games of the series. But again, that's a game against a team like Baltimore. A 7 6, you scored enough runs. Yep. You scored enough runs. Yep. And if different buttons had been pressed, you know, before the start of that game, that would have been a Yankees win. Yeah. And so that's where it bites yeah. you. Now, I mean, with with the research, with the not the resurgence, just with the surgence, we'll call it, of um, Johnny Johnny Brito, Johnny Brito, is it Johnny Brito. with Brito, um, with his with his surgence with the with the Yankees. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I yeah, just it is Johnny. I just think like, listen, man, Clark is it's going to suck because he's going to be the fifth or he's going to be the odd man out again. You might hit him with a bullpen, you know, a bullpen spot similar to what J.P. Sears was doing for us last year. Yep. Um, but 
I mean, at the, at this point, it's it, it's it's tough because I like Clark. He's a good you know he's a good kid. Um, good pitcher. Good pitcher, but maybe he's not ready to be a starter right, right. now. Um, and then one last little baseball elephant I want to uh, I want to talk about is maybe just maybe Brian Cashman is not the best at evaluating pitchers because if you look at it, man. The pitchers that he has traded for have not really worked out. But in the same token, the pitchers he's traded away aren't working out either. So what like you know, I'll give some I'll give some backing to this, but what do you what do you think about that, Chris? Like it's it's first of all, it's tough. It's tough when you make a trade to to predict how somebody's gonna do in a new environment. Uh the whole mental and personal side of it is one huge thing, and then there's the actually going out and doing it is the next. But as far as trading guys away and them not doing well, that's again that's that's just the way it goes. But the guys that you bring in, it's almost like you're you're making a, a lateral move here uh, with with a lot of examples, and I know you're going to name some, but. I don't think anybody's ever said Brian Cashin was the best GM. Um, I don't think he's a terrific GM. Um, you know, he's him and Booney. They've got this team. They've got this team, and they still haven't won anything. <laughs> so, uh, to answer your question, I I can't speak to guys that go out elsewhere and then they don't perform. Uh, as an Islanders, <laughs> as an Islanders fan, everybody we trade away does amazing. Yeah. After we trade yeah. them, Horvat's uh, like tearing uh, up. Like uh, Anthony Beauvillier. Oh, no, Beauvillier uh, is tearing it up. Uh, he leads the team in goals <laughs> since the tra- anyway. Um, <laughs> as far as baseball goes, there's so much more to it. Uh, the park you play and it's outside. Uh, the mental aspect you got to move. Bringing guys in, he's not. We know he's not that great at bringing guys in. Yeah. So he's great at bringing bats in. You see that bats with you see story. that with Luke Voigt. You see that with Didi. Now Franchi so far, but Chris, I'll give you a couple names. Right. So everybody knows the Frankie Montas disaster. We trade our top pitching prospect along with JP Sears, who I just mentioned. Um, we trade Ken Waldachuk. He was a lefty. He was tearing it up in the minor leagues. Chris, through two starts, he's zero two with a fourteen and a half ERA. Hmm? He has pitched eight. Eight and two-thirds innings, seven strikeouts. He has given up 14 earned runs. Uh, listen, nobody should have given up 14 earned runs on April, what is it today, 10th? Yeah. <laughs> nobody should have 14 earned runs against. Like, listen, we understand you're getting sent to the athletics, but still. you're. I mean, you're a top-tier prospect. They're going to play you. This is where you should you know, be good. That's a great place for a prospect to, another, to come up. Another, no pressure. another name. Um, he was involved in the Sonny Gray, uh, Sonny Gray trade. Loved him, and and I know, I know. I, I'll give I no. Love Sonny. I'll, I'll explain. We can talk about Sonny Gray because I'll tell you why he was wrong. And I said this years ago, and I wish I had this platform. Um, that trade involved Jorge Mateo, who the Yankees prospect hugged too long. Um, he's now, I think, he's still with Baltimore. He's found his niche, which is cool. Um, but it also involved James Caprellian, right-handed pitcher, through two games for James Caprellian. In nine and two-thirds innings, he is 0-1 with an 11.17 ERA. Wow. He has given up 12 earned runs this season. So those were the two pitchers on those back-to-back, those Rays games. That was Caprellian and was uh, in, um, and uh, Waldachuk. 
Now, one more that I wanted to talk about is um, a player that a lot of Yankee fans that pay attention to our farm system didn't want to give up. And this was the player in the, I believe it was the Scott Efros deal when we traded for Scott Efros, was Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, Wisniewski, again, he's only played in one game. He went four and two-thirds innings, 5.79 ERA. He gave up three earned runs in his four and two-thirds. So it's wow. it's a lot of and that's with Chicago. So it's a lot of it's a lot of hit and miss, and I I don't know I don't know the issue because the Yankees at a time right you have your guys like uh, Nestor we'll call him homegrown right yeah we'll uh, Sevy we'll call him homegrown um, Jordan Montgomery even though he's no longer with the team he was homegrown. Uh, you have a lot of the relievers, Marinaccio, Dellen back I, in the day. I, I love Marinaccio. Yeah. But a lot of these guys, they're all homegrown Tom. guys. They're all people that came up through the Yankees' ranks. Sometimes they work out. A lot of times they're not working out. Now, I had a theory, right? And we'll, we'll circle back to Sonny Gray. I want to hear about Sonny. I had a theory why Sonny Gray didn't work out as a Yankee. Um I always thought, and I still believe this because he's gone to Minnesota and he's done good things. I, We could say this, not even just Sonny Gray. We could say with Lance Lynn, I mean, he's shoving with the White Sox. He's their ace. Uh, and that's crazy to see because you have Dylan Cease. But if you need, I mean, if you need 130 pitches and eight innings of work, you give the ball to Lance Lynn, um, which the Yankees could absolutely use right now. But I don't want to get started on that. But if you look at all of these old, like veteran pitchers that they bring in and you're like, what the like, why are they bringing these guys in? Your Sonny Grays, your Lance Lins, your um, even J.A. Happ. Yep. That's, I couldn't stand him. The issue that I always saw was um, at the time Larry Rothschild was the pitching coach, I felt like Larry Rothschild wouldn't let them play their game, right? So if you look at who the pitchers were when Rothschild was up, it was Masso was still here, CeCe was still here, um, Monty was just breaking in. You had all these guys, and what they did, right, was they were very big on throwing sliders for a strike. So that's what I noticed, right? They were very big. So your homegrown guys like Severino, he could dot that slider. He could throw that slider to look like a fastball and then dart out of the way. He can get called strikes with the slider, right? I think back with Sonny Gray and stuff like that, I mean, he has a wipeout slider. He has one where he's throwing it 0-2 and he's burying it in the dirt. I think... The, the philosophy, I thought the philosophy was the reason why these pitchers weren't working out that the Yankees bring in. Um, you know, now we have, uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name, pitching coach for the Yankees. I can't think of his name. Um, he's wonderful. We love him. Um, I'm absolutely blanking right now. Regardless. It's, he's a, a, it's tough when I you're know. on the fly. He's a big, he's a big sinker slider guy, right? Um, so you bring in these guys, they throw a lot of sinkers, they throw a lot of sliders. So you're thinking a guy like Montas is going to work out. You're thinking a guy like um, Scott Efros is going to work out. Granted, he pitched well for the Yankees, but he got hurt. So I always thought it was a philosophy thing. Dylan Lawson. Nope, that's the hitting coach. You, didn't you say that? Oh, pitching you said coach. pitching coach. Matt Blake. Matt Blake, that's his name. Um, but, yeah, so I always thought it was a philosophy issue. So it's you're, you're just not bringing in the right – like, I'll use it football terms, right? You're not bringing in the right scheme, guys. You're not bringing in – you know, you need a stand-up linebacker. You're bringing in a pass rush linebacker. I got to tell so, you, though, when they brought in Sonny Gray, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah. I, 
one of my absolute favorite pitchers, one of my brother's uh, absolute favorite pitchers. He's a little guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a workhorse of a pitcher. He's a good. He's a good pitcher. Yeah. And like you said, he's had success after the Yankees and before the Yankees. Yeah. They bring him in, and it's like, okay, well, this guy could be a two-three guy, but he's your five. And, and he was left off the playoff roster. Right, and now he's nothing on your team because he doesn't fit the scheme and he's yeah. not able to do what you're asking him yes. in what's in his wheelhouse. Whereas with the Twins, like you said, he can go out there and pitch however he wants. That's my thing, too. And another thing that now that I'm thinking of it is, right, you have an, a platinum glove catcher in Trevi who can absolutely call whatever game he wants to call. Hell, with Pitchcom, oh, you got a fire going on. Hell, with Pitchcom, the pitcher can call his own game. We've seen Zach Greinke do it. Um, we've seen a bunch of pitchers call their own games, right? But I just don't – was it a Gary Sanchez problem behind the plate? Was it an upper management problem behind the plate? It's starting to seem like it's a Brian Cashman talent evaluation, and I and I didn't – see, I didn't think that was the case, right? Um but, again, like I'm saying, all of these guys that we bring in, they're not working. So it's either the, the big – you get the big free agent signings, right, that you're not going to tell how to pitch. You're not going to look at Carlos Rodon and you're not going to say, this is how we want you to pitch. You're not going to look at Garrett Cole and say, this is how we want you to pitch. But if you get a guy in a trade where you can kind of work with him, obviously he's not huge name on the market. You know, it, it's one of those situations where, let's say last year, they instead of Frankie Montas, they get Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. You're not going to tell Luis Castillo how to pitch, but you'll tell Frankie Thank Montas. You. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my little rant about pitching, and I'm glad you brought up Sonny Gray because I wanted to talk about that because I feel like it wouldn't have been brought up if you didn't say something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of would. I love Sonny Gray. I'm always, yeah. I'll always talk about Sonny Gray. But yeah, man, that's that's my whole baseball rant, I guess. So let's let's go let's go Yankees. Let's go Yankees. Let's let's keep it together, boys. Let's let's get a 28, man. We need to see another one. It's been too long. It's but been a while. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a while, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Since I've been watching, like, as a big fan, they've only won one. Yeah. And they're the Yankees. Yeah. And I know that sounds a certain way, but in some clubs have not won in that time span, but it's the Yankees. It's the Yankees. They 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 should be winning. Speaking it's of... It's the sh- only good team <laughs> that I follow. Speaking of should be winning, you're Islanders, Chris. We'll talk about them. You just did it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so, the Islanders, as we move into the NHL, um, the Islanders have two games left. The Penguins have two games left. The Panthers have two games left. And then there's Buffalo with four, uh, with three games left because I believe they played their fourth last night. Correct me if me I'm wrong. I'm verifying right now. It's fourth. I don't know how they could have four because there's only four days left in the regular season. Uh, it's it's got to be three. But in any event. Buffalo has four. They've only played 78 games. They have the Rangers tonight. They have the Devils Tuesday. They have the Senators Thursday. They have the Blue Jackets Friday. Okay, Friday there's the Blue Jackets. So they're going to win that. But anyway, so four games, two games, and two games, and two games. The Islanders got to win a game tonight, okay? They need to win tonight, and they need a point. Either tonight or Wednesday. Um, the magic number for the Islanders in points is three. Um, the magic number in games is one and a half. Uh, an Islanders regulation win, uh, and by the same token, a Panthers regulation win for the Panthers, uh, coupled with a Penguins uh, regulation loss, would clinch uh, both the Islanders and the Panthers. So there's your one and a half yeah. game swing. 
Um, the 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 thing to look at really is the wild card races in both conferences, and it's so funny. I don't even need my phone out for this because I've studied it. <laughs> like it's gonna. I say it. I said it last week. I study it so much, like it's gonna change in the middle of the day, in the middle of the afternoon here. Um, the way. The way this is going to go is by looking at the schedules. And we just break it down quickly by schedule for each uh, team in the East, and then we'll do it for the West. So we might as well start with the number one wildcard team in the Florida Panthers right now. Okay? The Panthers have the hardest schedule of the, of the remaining teams yes. in the wildcard race. Um, they have the Maple Leafs tonight, which is Monday. So when you hear this on Tuesday, it'll be last night. So hopefully uh, they lose. Uh, to the Leafs, but you know, they're on a heater right now. They're projected to beat the Leafs. So that could tell you uh, their six game <laughs> winning streak means something. Um, they have the Leafs and then the Hurricanes to end the season, do the Panthers. By far the hardest schedule because they're playing two teams that have already clinched like over a week ago. Yeah. Um, maybe that doesn't make it as hard if you're a Panthers fan. You could take some solace in that. They might be resting guys. Toronto might be resting guys tonight. I know you could ill afford to lose John Tavares. I'm not going to talk about him badly. I'm over that. We've talked about how that needs to, the Yankees hate yeah. needs to go away. Yeah. They can't afford to lose John Tavares, their captain. They can't afford to lose Marner. They can't afford to lose Matthews. They can ill afford to lose any of their goaltending, <laughs> which is already not it's the best. Yeah. Um, and right on down the lineup, honestly, you can't afford to lose anybody if you're the least. You can't even lose even O'Reilly. You need a you need, you need, a, you need a face-off win. Okay. Brian O'Reilly. <laughs> and and if you're the Leafs, you need to go into the playoffs with a mindset of we need to break this curse because they can't win it. They can't get out of the first round. Well, years have gone, Anthony. Chris, even if they let's say let's say they 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 obviously they're going to make the playoffs. So I'm not going to. And they will be playing the Lightning. You. That is oh, is confirmed. it the lightning? Yep, it's confirmed. Yeah, it is confirmed. The lightning. So that's gonna be. That's gonna be. Tough. Listen, the lightning have not been quite the same caliber of team as they were the past throughout the COVID seasons. Yeah, and that's no disrespect to the lightning because they would have been the top team even if co- this, if this it season was a full wasn't season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Islanders. That's a different story, but um, the In lightning the would have been the best, mm-hmm. right? And the Canadians. <laughs> but anyway. Um, the Lightning are going to be, the Lightning are the Lightning. They've been in the finals three years in a row. They've won two out of the last three years. That's what it is. The Leafs have to be healthy. So they might sit guys tonight, going back to the Panthers. The Hurricanes might sit guys. Uh, Sveshnikov's already injured for the Hurricanes. They're waiting for him to come back. You don't want to injure a goalie like Antti Ranta, who's very fragile. Um, but. They might say, hey, we need to be firing on all cylinders, so we're going to play the Panthers really hard. I hope they do. Um, but again, the Panthers aren't my biggest worry as an Isles fan. It's the Pens. The Islanders have, I would say, the middle of the three main contenders for the wild card. They have the middle schedule, and they're in the middle spot. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight, they um, tonight they are on the road. I was going to say home. They're on the road against the Capitals who are eliminated from contention, but they're the Capitals. Uh, They did sit a bunch of their big names, including Alex Ovechkin, in their last game against the Panthers, um, where they they held on until a minute left, and the Panthers took that game away. They stole it. I was so upset. I had that game on instead of the Islanders. But, um, and then they finished the season against Montreal, and we said it right before we went on to the pod today, 
for the Islanders, that has trap game written all over it. Ant thought tonight's did. I think tonight is still going to be really highly competitive. If it comes down to it and the Penguins win tomorrow against the Blackhawks, which we'll get to in a second, that could be a big trap for the Islanders. The Islanders need three points in their last two games. Two wins would be ideal, but they need to go to at least overtime in both games, and they need to win one. Yeah, It's a, it's a tall ask. It's, I don't care who you play. Yeah, it's a tough – yeah, especially with professional teams. And let's you also know? not forget, the Panthers also need to do that. Yeah. Even though they have the tiebreaker over the Islanders – the Penguins are still only one point behind, and they have far and away the easiest schedule. Yeah. Check for me real quick who the Penguins play last. I know they play Chicago tomorrow. Could that be a massive trap game? Maybe, however, Chicago wants Bedard, and they're in complete tank mode, and I don't think they're even going to want to try to show the Penguins up. Which, thank God, because they're play- the, the Minnesota's playing Chicago tonight. But right. Regardless, uh, P- Pittsburgh finishes with Chicago on Tuesday, tomorrow night. Uh-huh. And uh, with Columbus on Thursday, so they have basically they have the two worst teams in the NHL. Yep, they have the okay. two they have the two worst teams that are going to be trying to tank for Bedard. All right, now let's let's look at it. Forget the Islanders. We talked about the Islanders, right? They, you got to win. The Penguins are the most interesting of the three. The Sabers are they have to win all their games, and the Islanders and Panthers have to lose all their games in order for them to make it. We'd love to see it, but it's going to be a tall task. The way the Panthers and Islanders, respectfully, are playing right now, um, if it wasn't for the Lightning and Hurricanes, the Islanders would have also been six and zero in their last six. Yeah, uh, they're playing great hockey at the right time, so it's going to be tough for the Sabers, but they're playing great. The Penguins are the most interesting situation. So my dad is a Penguins fan, albeit not a diehard fan like he used to be before he had me and my brother, my Grammy who will talk about her grinder of the week uh, in a little bit, uh, was also a big Penguins fan. The problem is, let's look at this if we're Penguins fans right now. It's hard for me to do, but I can for now. Because I'm I, I'm licking my chops yeah. at these two opponents. Yeah. Chicago and Columbus. If I'm a Penguins fan, do I also think these are both trap games? The way that I'm thinking as the Islanders and, and Canadians. If I'm a Penguins fan, knowing those scumbags from Pittsburgh, especially Eli Klorchik, um <laughs> no, no, Eli's cool. Um, no, I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking they're trap games because you're the Penguins. You haven't. You're you're that legacy. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like you know. I don't want to get off the hockey topic, but Chris is wearing a UConn hoodie. It's kind of like when UConn was going through the Final Four. You looked at them and you're like, "Oh, we're fucking like we're UConn. We like up oh, natty done. We got this. Right? Like, they're U- right. We never like we never we never had to worry. I don't think I think Penguins fans have seen this. I mean, this record has been playing for what seventeen straight seasons. Sixteen straight 16 seasons. Straight seasons. Uh, I think if you're a Penguins fan, honestly, I don't think you're in the least bit worried. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be, and then I would get my heart broken because that's how I, you know, see, that's my life. See, now, the way I look at it, I'm trying to put my Penguins hat on here um, and think of it from if my Grammy was watching because she'd be rooting really hard for them. Mm. Uh, she loves Sidney Crosby. She loved Flurry. Loved <laughs> Flurry. The flower. Um, as we do here. Um, if I was a Penguins fan right now, personally, I would be, I'd be really worried because the Penguins this season have dropped some really bad, ugly games to bad teams. Guess what? So have all the other teams in the wild card race. That's yep. why they're there That's and not winning the division. Yep. 
Um, just from experience, the Islanders lost both games to the Coyotes this season. They got shut out in one and only scored one in the other. Yeah. One goal in the other. Did you go to one of those? Uh, no, I went to uh, two of their other losses. Uh, I saw them beat the Devils, though, um, in New Jersey. But something about the game tomorrow worries me if I'm a Penguins fan. I'm not worried about Columbus. Columbus has no shot. They're terrible. They're so bad. They just beat the Islanders two weeks ago, but they're terrible. Um, I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm I'm worried as a Penguins fan that both the Islanders and Panthers win tonight because they're they're playing so well, and then the pressure is really on the Penguins because yes, they've been in this situation before, but they're not the team that they were ten years ago. No, no. Um, Crosby's at the end of his career. They don't have the other guys. I would guys. say the middle end. I don't want to middle, correct okay. you. Middle end. He's he's not the issue here. No, that's what Sid's I'm saying. not the problem. No, that's what I'm saying. But you don't have those. You don't have his his wingmen, we'll say. You don't have your, your Kessels. You don't have. No, it's know. not the super team that won them two cups. Um, and they don't have the goaltending. No. Um, they've got a great coach. I can't stand Sullivan. I can't stand him because he challenges like every goal. Uh, and he just wants to complain and argue for no reason. But putting that aside, I'm really worried about the two games. I'd almost be happier as a Penguins fan if I were playing other teams that are fighting to get in. That's bold. That's really, really bold. Well, if you look at the West now, yep. that's what we have tonight. And this is why I say that. Because you have Calgary playing Nashville, right? That game is tonight, Calgary, correct? I think it's Calgary-Winnipeg tonight. Let me double check. It is... Oh, no, it's Calgary-Nashville. You're correct. Yeah. Calgary and Nashville in the West are the two teams, as we transition to the Western Conference, that that are on the outside. Winnipeg holds the final wild card spot in the West with 91 points. Um, Calgary has 90, and Nashville has 89. 88. 88. So, okay, so they have three, po- uh, three points to make up in less than a week. Yeah. It's a tall task, but it's a huge game. If I'm Nashville, I'm happier playing against Calgary than if I were playing against a bottom feeder like Anaheim or San Jose, who Winnipeg plays yes. tonight. That has trap game written all over it. As a just as I don't know, maybe it's because I've played and I'd rather play a, a good team. There's my whole motto in college. I always wanted the good teams. I didn't want to play the bad team. I was an idiot. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm here and not in the, in NHL, the NHL at my prime at 27 years old. You know, you're but, getting your second contract right now. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but I digress back to the to the Predators. If they want to make the playoffs, I'm happy playing a, a team fighting to get in. No better team to beat than the team you're chasing. Absolutely. Now, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm a little bit nervous about this San Jose game. Winnipeg should flatten the Sharks. That should be seven nothing, seven one as we've seen some of these results be this past weekend and week in the NHL. But boy, oh boy, I'm happy about I'm happy about playing the Flames if I'm the Predators. Because you know both teams are going to be tense, and you know both teams are going to need the game. It's, you said, I mean, you said it before we started recording. This is, this is game of the year type right. shit right This here. is NHL game yeah. of the year right now. Yeah. When you look at who the Islanders play, when you look at who the Penguins play, when you look at who the Jets are playing in the West... You're playing against teams who don't really care. They still, yes, back to earlier in the pod, nobody wants to lose. 
Nobody wants to not perform well, right? It's always going to anger you, even if you're trying not to win a lot and you want a great prospect like Connor Bedard or even any of the top three this year yeah. in the NHL. But you're playing a team, if you're the Sharks, if you're the Capitals, who cares? Just go out and try to score goals. See, if you get lit yep. up for eight behind yep. you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Exactly. But you might score eight, yeah. and you might ruin the party for somebody else and spoil it. Spoiler yeah. alert. That see that I was the same way, but you, we, everybody you know, especially in sports like hockey where it's very I mean it is a team game but a player can take over, um, you know very different than baseball very different than than uh, football. You get games like wh- whenever you're free and you don't have anything and like you if you're if you're on one of these teams that are eliminated, why not throw fifty eight shots at the goal? Who cares? Who right, cares? just put Who it in if, if you give up a breakaway <laughs> as soon as the yeah, shot comes, exactly. take the shot. Who cares? Yeah. You're not, you lose the game by eight or you lose the game by one or you win the game by eight or by one. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, some of these teams are already so bad where two more two more losses or hell, two more wins, it's not going to take them that far out of the Bedard contest. No, uh, you know, if you look at the Ducks, the Blue Jackets, the Canadians, uh, shout out Marty St. Louis for being the coach of the Canadians. He doesn't have a lot to work with, and they're going to be really good soon. Yeah. They're going to be a really good team. But, you know, look at a team like the Sharks, too. Those teams don't care. They're, they, if I'm the Canadians, I care because St. Louis is not going to let you roll over and die. Yeah. Uh, and that's what worries me as an Islanders fan coming up <laughs> Wednesday. That's not going to be a game, an easy game. The only uh, good thing about it is that it's on Long Island. Uh, but, yeah, I— as a fan, at, you know, I'd rather play a good team, so I'm actually kind of happy with the Caps. The Caps are still going to play us really hard. And the, I mean, if you're if you're in the wild card race and you're not awake for the game, then then yeah, every you're you are you are awake for the game. If you get beat bad in one of these games, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they no, didn't I even agree. wake up. I, they didn't even care. I agree. But Chris, right now, as I as I hear these birds chirping, and uh, I see this beautiful Connecticut weather. Uh, I do have to say it has been raining in Connecticut, and it's been raining championships in Connecticut, <laughs> baby. Um, this is going to be a little bit, a little bit of a quicker segment, but shout out to the UConn men's basketball team. Um, that's older news. It's uh, only a week old. It's only a week old, but shout out to the Quinnipiac Bobcats. They won the national championship in hockey. They beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers, um, and it's their first title in school history. I can't remember the coach's name. I know Chris is going to fill Pecknold. in. There it is. Yes. Um, I did not realize he has been with Quinnipiac for almost 30 years. Yeah. Which is, that's awesome. It's good to see him get a title. But, you know, shout out. Are we title town now? Is is Connecticut the city of, it's a city. Is Connecticut the state of champions? College champions. That's for sure. I mean, you're, we don't have any pro you're teams. goddamn right. Where they, we are. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, more to play. I mean, we, you know, in now two sports, and yes, men's and women's basketball. Let's let's not discount yep. what the women's team did this year, even though they didn't make it as far as they wanted to. Like Gino Ariema said, it, so what? Yeah, they're not they're not going anywhere. Yeah, they're always going to be UConn. UConn's always going to be a place where people want to play. Any sport, really. Yeah. Now, I mean, even now with even baseball, baseball yeah. made it. They made it. Super far in the College World Series last year, too. Listen, man. Uh, and then as far as hockey, Quinnipiac has been right on the doorstep of championships time after time, especially 
since I was going to college uh, in 2013. I got accepted there. I know you told me that your wife uh, got accepted there as did. well. It's a very expensive school. I unfortunately, I won't say unfortunately. I met my wife. I got my career started at Westcon. Uh, shout out to the to the Wolves. Now they yeah. were the Colonials. Yeah, uh, but. Um, you know, it was beautiful. It was like love at first sight when I went to visit there. You got Sleeping Giant State Park right next to it. You got the golf course right there. Unbelievable school. Top 20 library in the country or something like that. Um, and they wanted 60K a year. And I was like, <laughs> well, I can't do that for you. <laughs> but, uh, no, the thing that is always funny to me is, is Quinnipiac. They had just won a national championship, but they don't have any NHL buzz, right? There's no there's no player on the NHL radar whereas you have on the losing side you have Brock Faber he's a defenseman for the Minnesota Golden Gophers well, and, well he was oh, until oh, two you, days you, ago. Cut, you cut me off oh, Chris sorry. he's a he's a defenseman for the Minnesota Golden Gophers and Chris and I we were on the phone when we were watching the national championship hockey national championship and Brock Faber of course you're the captain of the team you're the big 10 player of the year you just lost in a flash i mean they lost off the seconds. off the draw in overtime 10 seconds in they had lost um they they panned the diagram to play yeah, it was they, they panned the camera over and brock faber's crying right you know it happens right but me and chris and i made the joke where he's listen stop crying and get on the plane the minute go to the locker room check your phone minnesota wild as soon as the college season's over you know all of your drafted prospects they're they're fair game right and you're seeing it with buffalo and devon levi i believe it's levi yeah uh, Devon Levi in the in the creek good in the in the in the goal but Brock Faber you you went from you went from losing a national championship in college uh he's playing tonight against the Blackhawks he was signed <laughs> less than one whole day after we texted and said stop crying and check your phone when you get back yeah. in the locker room you're old Minnesota <laughs> yeah. wild right now yeah um, and, and that's one of my favorite things about hockey. I love that they use colleges as a minor league team, which is awesome. They're the only sport that does that. Well, Kel McCarr came up on the, on the avalanche from college yep. and joined the avalanche in the playoffs and absolutely lit it up in his first season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happens all the time. Um, who is it? Um, Tage Thompson. Yep. From, from Buffalo, from that's UConn. Right. Shout yep. out UConn. From UConn. Um, 46 goals this season. <laughs> yeah. Led the team, but that's that's the thing is they they're calling these guys up and it's it's so funny the duality of sports right so you're you're cru- you get crushed right this is the worst thing like listen if you're if you are Brock Faber this is the worst thing that has ever happened to you in your sports career you lost the national championship on your senior year this was your year your you're the team. number one team in the country this is your team you're the captain this is the worst thing that ever happened to you 24 hours later he's on a team that's hopefully making a run to the Stanley Cup. So I said before we went on, I joked a little bit, and I think now that we talk about it, I take it back a little. He he was doing an interview we just listened to uh, before, right before we went on here, and it said it's a lot of mixed emotions. And you know what? At first I was like, how could it be you're in the NHL? But you know what? We, we just painted the picture. He's the captain. It's his team. You know, sometimes college is more fun than pro. Oh, people yeah. would say. Oh yeah, I mean, um, you look at college basketball and compare it to the NBA. Yeah. That's my opinion. But I mean, it now, doesn't even hold up. Now, especially too, <laughs> if you look, if you look at with the transfer portal, I think it's a lot less. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the NIL. I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal, 
And it's because you get these guys, you're making a four-year commitment, right? You make a four-year commitment to a team. If you want to transfer out back before the whole transfer portal was a thing, you have to sit out a season unless it's medical. Um, so you're losing a year of eligibility. Now, if you – listen, if you and your – if you're a quarterback or I'll use myself, if I'm an offensive lineman and I play for the University of – if I play for Boston College, right, and I get into an argument with my O-line coach and I don't like him anymore and I lose my starting spot – cool uh no skin off my back i'm gonna go to another school that's gonna give me the same scholarship i'm not gonna pay anything and i'm gonna go to a team that's gonna play and then i'm gonna get drafted whereas you know that used to not be a thing i mean you have your you have your fifth year transfers that i always love those stories where they're at a small school like um uh i can't i I had i had his name on the tip of my tongue i can't think of it anymore regardless you have your thing where you, you play your ass off for four years at a small school and you catch the attention of a big school and you go there, you make a name for yourself, you get drafted. That's all cool. But now it's like you could leave. You're, there's no, like, they, they should change the name of prospects. You don't commit anymore. You should just say joining. Like, right. Like, I'm joining the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm not committing because there is no commitment anymore. You know, and that's no. that's the that's the biggest boomer argument you're gonna get out of me. Not boomer sooner, but like boomer age wise. That's the that's the the biggest argument you're you're gonna get out of me because it just feels like if you don't want to work and if you don't want to try to earn a starting spot, you just don't have to. Like, if if the transfer portal was a thing, does Brady stay at Michigan? Does Brady work for four years to get a starting spot as a senior? No, I don't think he does. No, I think he recognizes his talent and he leaves. You know what I mean, and and that maybe that kills him. You know, maybe your ego gets in your way of of winning and, and, and getting better and improving and you know all that. But you know that's my two cents. So again, with what Chris was saying was Brock. To circle back to what you know he was saying, Brock Faber never left. He stayed at Minnesota. Which why would you leave? They're the best right. team in the country. Regardless, he stayed at Minnesota. He's a hometown kid. He that's another thing too is he's from Minnesota. He played at his hometown college. You know, I'm assuming he was a Gopher fan growing up. You know, like I said, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to him. But you're on a playoff team, kid. You're playing tonight. I hope you do great. He's a good number. I will be watching. He has a good number. They gave him number seven. Wow, that's a good number. I mean, I'll be watching just. (laughs) Just out of that interest. Yeah, and uh, he opens it at home in the XL Energy Center, I believe. That's amazing. I believe. That's where they play. Yeah. But. That's incredible. Yeah. What yeah. a story. Yeah. Another. I got, a, I got another good story. Uh, yeah. We were on it today. Yeah, we were. Transition. <laughs> I got another feel-good story for great you. Great feel-good story. Feel-great story. Um, so far, we, we, are, we hold our breath. We hold our breath. But this is, this is time for Grammy's Grinder of the Week. Uh, Grammy's Grinders of the Week. Uh, this week, uh, I have one. And um, he, uh, this one, <laughs> he, he does play a sport. <laughs> and his sport is eating. Uh, his sport is eating things that aren't food. Is it Joey Chestnut? Uh, no, he eats things that aren't food. Oh, uh, just okay. way too much of them. No, no. This one, below, this Grammy's Grinder, and did he ever grind, no. uh, is uh, my, my dog, Benny. Uh, shout out to Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, to, to Benny Walker. You've heard him uh, on the podcast whining to get in with us. Yes, and his whines might have been founded uh, <laughs> last week. He was taken in. Now we can laugh, right? 
he was taken in on Thursday for emergency surgery uh, because he had a blockage in his small intestine um, because he eats he eats toys and uh, wires and wicker basket uh, and 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 rope. Um, I got to see we everything. Got too. I got to see plastic. it. I got to dissect. Oh, they they gave it to me. So anyway, he uh, he was in critical condition afterwards. Um, it was a little, it looked a little bleak for a few hours after the surgery, but he came around. Um, I picked him up Saturday, uh, and he's been chilling, uh, and he's been doing really well. Uh, we're now seventy two hours post surgery, um, and the dude is. Very loopy on his drugs, uh, but he's Benny, and we still have him. Um, on a personal note, uh, I know a lot of people that listen to this are people that uh, so generously donated to help pay for his, his surgery. If you have a pet, uh, you know how expensive a surgery is if you've ever had to have one. Um, it was it was eye-opening to me how much it costs. Um and just a heartfelt thank you from me and, and my wife and everybody that knows Benny. I know Anthony thanks everybody too um, uh, because Benny is obviously his favorite. Benny Benny he is. is a love. <laughs> Benny he is he my cuddles favorite. everybody. Uh, he's Grammy's Grinder of the Week, though he never did meet Grammy. Um, yeah, he pulled through and he's he's a trooper. He's a, he was a grinder this week. So not only is he Grammy's Grinder of the Week, he is yes. our very first Grammy's Grinder Hall of Famer. He will be inducted <laughs> to the Grammy's Grinder of the Week Hall of Fame. Yes. Yes. So big shout out to Benny. Um, we love you. We love you, little guy. He I can't some, wait. He got some airtime. I did get some airtime. I can't wait to cuddle you later, bud. I know. Um, so back to the sports notes. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to overshadow, so I should have went first. Okay. But uh, my grinder... He won't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got to buy him hats. Yeah, we, we got to get, get the sombrero, yeah. Um, my Grammy's grinder of the week... It's my boy Glaber Torres, oh, man. Yeah. It was between Glaber Torres and Brian Reynolds. I'm surprised you didn't give it to French. I was going to give it to French, but it's Glaber. Uh, I've always... since Since the Yankees have gone without not stars but I always so for me I always I was always the number I always liked the number two guy right so I didn't I wasn't in love I I mean I love Derek Jeter but he was never my favorite my favorite was always A-Rod I was never the you know I'm trying to think pitcher wise I was never the Mariano guy I was always the Pettit guy so I always I always liked things that were different like if I get Jerseys like I still don't have a Minnesota jersey to replace my Parise because I don't want a Kirill jersey. That's the thing is like I, I don't want the I player everybody else wants. So the Yankees I mean, we share that the Yankees were lacking that for a very very long time. For a while it was Gary for me. I liked Gary. I've since given up on Gary, um, but I was always missing that not a superstar because Aaron Judge was always their superstar, right? Yep. So and Glaber he looks like one. Still. So so Glaber to me was always my guy and he I was on the trade Glaber train last year for a good starting pitcher uh I'm eating my words now I'm eating my words like pizza game because (laughs) because through nine games this season and 37 plate appearances Glaber Torres has 10 hits um so that is that uh comes out to a 357 batting average he has a double two home runs six RBIs the the surprising numbers here 
He has five stolen bases, which is already half the amount he had last year. And what really, really makes me super happy with Glaber Torres is his strikeout to walk ratio. He is walking. He has nine walks and three strikeouts, which is massive for him. It's a great uh, yeah, wow. Keep that up all season. He's. I mean, he's seeing the ball really, really well, um, and he has earned. I think instead of the Glaber gets a day off now, I think it's Glaber plays every day, and Donaldson and Lemayhew are the ones trading off third base. Yeah, I, I don't think Glaber's leaving second base. No, no, he's earned it. He's earned the spot. We've we've talked about how iffy decisions have been made, though. Uh, so you never know. Uh, but I agree with you. Um, you know, when you were talking about, and this is not to to go off of Glaber, but when you oh, were we're talking, done, we're done with Glaber. When we're you were up. talking about second guys, you know who one of my favorite pitchers was for the Yankees? Who is it? AJ Burnett. Oh, AJ Burnett. I love. You're it. talking about not ace guys, I but guys AJ that were Burnett. two, three guys. Man, oh man, <laughs> did he give the Yankees some good innings? I loved him his whole career. I was an AJ Burnett. Well, fan. Well, my favorite thing about AJ Burnett was the only reason that the Yankees signed him. Now, not the only reason. He was obviously with Toronto previously, but he just he was the Red Sox daddy. So it's like, of course, we're going to sign him. Well, the one game I saw him pitch in person was against the Red Sox. He went. It was a 15 inning game. Oof. Uh, in the Bronx, I went with my uncle and my brother, and and we we left after the eighth inning, a zero zero game. AJ Burnett went seven and a third, a shutout innings, excellent pitching. We drove home, listened on the way home, and then watched Dayrod hit a two run walk off home run in the fifteenth from home. That's wonderful. Yeah, you didn't have to deal with the traffic. In the same game, we were there, and then it ended when I was home. It was very strange. Fifteenth yeah, inning. Weird. Those are always weird. Um, yeah. So he yeah. Speaking of second guys, I throw his name out today too. AJ Burnett. He's a Pittsburgh legend. Pittsburgh, yes. With McCutcheon too. He was almost the grinder of the week too. But his his stats. It was it would have been a grinder for a story. So he would have been along the lines of uh, less of performer, but more of like just welcome home Kutch. But you know we'll say it anyway. Welcome home Kutch. Yeah. That I mean, was we really said cool. welcome home Benny. So why yeah. not welcome, welcome home, home Kutch? Yeah. Um. There you go. You could have a double Grammy grinder. You could yeah. be. You could have Kutch. But okay. Regardless. Um, happy Easter to all those who celebrate that are listeners. Um, I am a nasty along with walk daddy. Yeah, you didn't say that I didn't say it this morning. I saved it for tonight. Um, I didn't say it at the beginning. I saved it for the end. That was weird. Yeah, that was we're going to leave that in. Yeah, we'll leave. Um, it. as always, uh, I am a nasty Anthony walk daddy, Chris Walker. And as always stay full.